welcome back to Library Land Loves. I'm Michelle Arbuckle and welcome to Canadian Library Month. The first week of this month of October marks First Nations Public Library Week and this week's episode, which is landing in your pocket at the very start of Ontario Public Library Week, a week within Canadian Library Month that's designated to raise awareness of the valuable role libraries play in Canadians' lives. Theme this year is One Card, One Million Possibilities and speaks to the many, many ways that libraries are supporting their communities through collections, programming, expertise, technology, quiet space, and more. So today I thought, who better to speak to the role of libraries than the person I consider to be the power user among power users. I first met Lanrick Bennett Jr. back in 2018, in the early days of this pod, when I approached him to ask about interviewing his son, Jack. You may have heard of Jack's Library Tour, a father-son project started when Jack was five with the goal of visiting all 100 Toronto Public Library branches using public transit. At that point, Jack had already started branching out to libraries outside of the GTA, and I think he had his eye on libraries a bit further abroad as well. Lanrick is the Managing Director at 880 Cities, an organization dedicated to improving the quality of city life by focusing on mobility and public space. 880 refers to their belief that if everything we do in our public space is great for an eight-year-old and an 80-year-old, then it will be great for all people. He's also a strong community leader and uses his public platforms to advocate for civic engagement, social change, for cycling and infrastructure improvements, for Black Lives Matter, and of course, for libraries. I'm really excited to touch base with Lanrick today and to hear his thoughts on the top five reasons that he loves his local library. So we'll be right back with Lanrick Bennett Jr. Hello, good morning, Lanrick. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, good. It's, a, it's a wonderful Sunday morning here. Yeah, it is. It is a crisp <laughs> morning when we were having this yes. conversation. <laughs> um, I mentioned a little bit in the intro about your work with 880. And I just, you know, I was, as I was doing some research on pulling your bio together, it's such an interesting organization. I wonder if you wanted to tell people a bit more about the work that you all do there. Yeah, so uh, 880 Cities has been around for um, just over 15 years, uh, and I started with the organization um, just over a year and a half ago. Uh, 880 Cities has been working in over 300 communities uh, across the world, hitting five different continents. Um, this is a organization that truly believes that um, cities can do better for the people that are actually living in it. And uh, we do a lot of work, a lot of advocacy to prove the point of, of your cities doing more for you. Um, mm -hmm. We're launching a, a new service uh, in 2022 where um, we look, we, we give almost a diagnostic uh, to uh, your neighborhoods, to your communities. We're, we're looking at the right to participate, the right to public space and the right to mobility. And we've created these metrics that, that we really hope uh, hone in on, on some of those uh, things that are going well, things mm -hmm. that could be improved, and, and giving uh, some really um, uh, concrete options for community leaders and, uh, and uh, uh, planners to, to put forth uh, in their communities and neighborhoods. 
Wow, that's really interesting. So it's almost kind of like like the walkability score that we all see. It's right. it's, just a, it's a metric to to kind of tell more about what's going on in city life. Exactly, exactly. And and, and it's not to say that any one place is is perfect and the 880 lens uh really does give uh that that ground view from an 80 year old from an eight year old and mm -hmm. and tells a story of of how do you interact with what's going on uh in your four blocks six blocks 12 blocks uh, from from the time you open your front door and, and I mean again we we touch on on that right to participate so that's on a local level that's with your uh counselors and with your community leaders we we look again at the the public space so your your green spaces your parks mm -hmm. the benches the the uh, uh uh just the factor of of what what is what's in that mix i mean streets are public space and mm -hmm. and definitely throughout the pandemic we've really uh seen how our streets are transforming and opening up uh to being more than uh than just for cars and then that hits right into mobility and being able to cycle where, where you need to go and be able to take public transit and feel safe uh mm -hmm. on those mobility corridors so uh yeah we get to really uh um uh, make it uh, tangible and, and, mm -hmm. and tactile uh, when we do these uh, diagnostics. So we're we're looking forward to to kind of uh, putting that forward and and just being a, a bigger and better part of uh, of where uh, your neighborhoods and communities need to go. That's amazing, and I'm sure mm -hmm. you know for for most of us for for certainly this podcast, we like to think that libraries are a good part of that neighborhood mix as well. Most definitely. All right, so that leads us into our topic today. As I mentioned, I do consider you to be a power user. You have been in more libraries than probably most people I know. So uh, I think you're well positioned to speak to this today. So what is your what is the list that we're talking about today? Okay, so um, we're going to talk about my library. We're going to talk about Jones Library. My family and I, we, uh, we moved from the Junction neighborhood almost 10 years ago. Um, our daughter Zoe spent many, many a lovely hours in the infant section of Annette Street Branch. Oh, Loved it. Love uh, that branch. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, library. Mm -hmm. But uh, we moved here to the East End and um, just we're on Jones Avenue. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we when we had Jack, uh, we, we really needed to, to find a new library. And Jones was that first library uh, that Jack got to uh, explore. And as a family, we, we kind of stuck around. We kind of stuck around for this library. Um, Proximity-wise, we are closer. So I live in the east end of the city, uh, just south of uh, Danforth Avenue. So mm -hmm. we, we have a location on Pape that's actually technically closer but um, as a as a as a baby Jack, <laughs> we needed length of travel for for nap times, and where Jones Library was located was uh, the the it was the perfect length of time to to have him sleep <laughs> and kind of wake up in this new environment of right. fun and frolic. And yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, it it, uh, it it's it's just. It feels right uh, yeah. being able to talk uh, about uh, about this library. 
Okay. Jones Library, for the record, is also my library branch at Toronto Public Library. So I'm excited to talk about this. So let's get into it. What's your number one? So maybe just just the fact that when we did uh, Jackson Library Tour, um, that was our last stop. That was mm-hmm. our that was our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, they hosted the 100th library of our entire trek, and uh, the fact that they were so engaged in what we were doing on a weekly basis. This entire Jackson Library tour took six months to do, and uh, Jones was there for every step of mm-hmm. our. Uh, track on social media and and in the the neighborhood in general just making sure that uh, you know we were we were well read and well uh, uh, fed on the road and uh, giving us tips and and tools uh, throughout uh, throughout our endeavors so love in general for that's that's my number one piece it's Mm -hmm. just love for uh, for the space so when you were getting when you were getting Jack's <laughs> library tour set up, were the staff at Jones Library actually helping you figure out how to do that and where to go and what routes or whatever? And, and most definitely, they were they were first. I think they were just kind of like, "Do you realize what you're trying to do here?" And it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can, I can do this." And yeah, I think it was possibly after the third or fourth library that. I just randomly allowed Jack to uh, uh, pull out. That's when I kind of went back to them and, and it was like, okay, how do I do this correctly? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the ideas of, of just creating a path. So uh, isolating specific streets, using literally the public transit lines as my guide. So we built out, you know, uh, visiting all the libraries on Young Street, visiting all the libraries on Jane figuring out the entire uh, compass of Scarborough. It was, uh, it was a, definitely, I don't give them enough credit for at least putting me on the right uh, path of, mm. of how to uh, just figure out uh, what do I do next and where do I go next? Right, uh, right. But, we, but we were all uh, really excited to, to be able to uh, have uh, Jones as our, as our 100th library to visit for sure. That's fabulous. All right. So that's our number one. What's our number two? That's our number one. Um, so you know this, but just for your listeners, uh, Jones Library is located right at the corner of Jones and Dundas Street East. It's in Leslieville. It's it's a small library, but it's it's a library that I consider um, being a cultural hub for the mm. community. And and what I what I mean with with giving that title is. Unlike a community space that is just, you know, you kind of, you pop in, you do your thing, you're, you're, you're out, it, it almost becomes a magnet for what the community needs to understand uh, uh, what, what is, what's the substance of where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm always just so heartened when uh, we talk in general about Black History Month. And they don't just dust off the books during the month of February. Uh, we talk about, you know, pride and you can find them uh, uh, really um, highlighting and promoting the celebration of those communities 
beyond the month of June. This is a safe and accessible and inviting uh, space. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel that it's almost an extension of the living room. Or if maybe you're mm-hmm. young enough, it's it's maybe an extension of your bedroom. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that 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 cultural uh, nurturing is is very apparent uh, when you walk in. That it, it they're they're always on for yeah. the neighborhood. They're always on for um, uh, amplification of of what makes uh, this uh, really uh, special. Uh, community tick and mm-hmm. and I really uh, I appreciate I appreciate the um, the ability for them to to really believe in what it is that they're that they're putting forth. And you know the interesting thing I I think about Jones Library is I don't think if we were going to build that library today we would build it in that spot because no, the interesting no. thing is it's a very residential space. I mean it's on very main roads in Toronto, Jones and Dundas, mm-hmm. but it's in a na- it's right in the middle of a neighborhood. There are houses right next door and the trend nowadays is more and I understand it makes sense to be part of a multi-use facility or to be around, you know, commercial space. And I, I also really like that. But the thing about Jones Library is it's right in the middle of your community. There's not any competition for parking for the grocery store or the arena or whatever. It's just the library right there. And I think it's great. Yeah, Yeah, no, totally hit on uh, all of the, the pieces that I love about that as well. And you're taking transit there, you're biking there, you're mm-hmm. walking there, you're doing everything other than, you know, literally having to, to find uh, a parking spot. And, and it really does promote just that uh, we can get to the library, it's close enough. And it really is close enough for so yeah. many people. The other thing I really want to promote about Jones Library, because I, I love the way they make use of their windows. And yeah. they have a big window that faces out to Dundas on street right. level. And uh, during the pandemic, they put up this, um, they put up this like image inside the library so you could see it from the outside. And it was kind of like a surrounding, do you remember this? It was like a, a crown and yes. the kid could go and stand in front of it on the outside of the library. Cause That's at that right. point you weren't really allowed to be inside and take yeah. pictures of themselves with this like <laughs> crown over their heads. It was such a cute idea and such an engaging way to reach out to people on the street, you know? Yeah, that even even at a time where we physically couldn't go inside, uh, they were still there to to say that we're here, we're here yeah. in 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 the smallest uh, uh, way possible, and we'll be back. And yeah. Uh, yeah, they they just they do that right. Yeah, they do. All right, let's move on to number three. Number three, um, Jones is like the quietest of libraries, <laughs> and I know that we're we. There, there's been a, a good push not to shift people and to make sure that the space as, as you know, we, we want these spaces to be as animated and as, and as engaging as possible. But there is something about going through those doors and our world outside is just, just booming at like decibels that are, I'm sure, not, you know, sustainable. And you walk through those doors and you know, beyond hearing a baby crying or the inevitable, I can't get the photocopier working. Mm-hmm. It is just this tranquil, just serene, uh, um, just quietness. I think the first time when we first 
moved here and I had my daughter, we went to drag time, drag queen story time yes. at Jones okay. Branch. And I'm going to say that was not a quiet day. It was no, great. not at all. Yes, I, said, <laughs> I, I, I said, I said, definitely qualify that an event happens. And for sure there, there is a, uh, a needed and wanted, uh, level yeah. of, of volume for sure. Yeah. Uh, those, those it, library staff, they're, they're down for the activities as well oh, as yes. the quiet times. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Most definitely. Okay, that's great. So number three was the quiet space. What's number four? Yes. So this is kind of quirky, but um, because of its size and just because of availability, you may not find everything at the Jones Library, but they got you for that. They make sure that um, that whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever it is that you're searching for, they'll find it for you. And if you know, for whatever reason, they can't bring it to Jones or they can't facilitate it there. Um, they're easily and happily able to just pick up the phone. And, and the wonderful thing about the East End libraries is just how connected all of them are from Gerard to Riverdale, Pape, um, they will just just pick up the phone and it's and I, I can I can even recall a time just looking for community space. Uh, mm -hmm. We wanted to have a uh, a community um, discussion about uh, bike lanes. My my other uh, big piece. Um, yes. Couldn't couldn't you know utilize uh, the um, the space at Jones, but you know, not even ten minutes later, they had already booked me a room uh, down at uh, Riverdale without even without even a you know it was just like of course we right. we want you to be able to talk with the community we may not have the space right here but uh, you know just down the road uh we've got you set up we've got you booked and and whenever you're ready to go uh pop over so i like i and i'm sure this isn't just jones but i love <laughs> that i feel that it is just jones yeah, that, yeah. that they're just able to they they really they 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 see themselves as a part of a larger collective of Absolutely. what libraries can do for for everyone and, and I think that that's really commendable and and, yeah. and it's a lot of fun just knowing that yeah they got your back it's funny it's funny to me and I'm sure to many of the listeners because library people just take that for granted I mean that's just what we do we <clears throat> work together we're very collaborative I mean I can't tell you the number of times I've had professionals just email each other and say, Hey, can you send me the deck you did on this, the slides you did on this so that I can present this to my board. And, you know, they just share so freely, but it's so nice to hear from your perspective, from the public perspective, that that's a, that's a, a valued thing. It's also somewhat shocking to hear that that's a shocking thing. So you do, right, you know right. what I mean? Like we're so in this, <laughs> we're so immersed in this world that we don't even think about it. So that's lovely to hear. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so we're not jealous. It's great. If, if you, I'd love to hear if you ever meet a jealous library out there, let me know because I'd, I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> that takes us to number five. Okay, so I, I'm going to look at the broader uh, notion of libraries in general, mm -hmm. and and I want to amplify this this mindset of libraries as social infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So we're talking on the same level as, you know, how you get your water, how you get your hydro and electricity, how you talk on the phone with communications. Um, if you invest properly in libraries, schools, parks, society gets this payment back in dividends tenfold. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you get a chance, if your listeners get a chance, uh, I, I'd love them to look up the podcast 99% Invisible. And this was, this was uh, episode 346. Mm-hmm. And the, the title was Palaces for the People. Yes. Um, so this is the same name as the book from uh, Eric Kleinberg. Mm-hmm. And in this podcast, he really walks through how libraries, this social infrastructure can help fight inequality, uh, polarization, and, and the decline of civic life. That's, that's a really heavy low right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's one of the things that libraries are becoming evidently more built to allow. Um, and it's definitely what we, we need as, as a society. We need that, that base of operations that is not just for books. And I know that sounds so cliche now in 2021, but um, as this notion of social inf- infrastructure is really coming forth, um, we are we're leaning on our libraries uh, so much more than we ever have before, and I, I I'll say that the only the only entities that are not really getting that yet are probably local and and provincial governments here in Canada. It, it's they need libraries need that investment because mm-hmm. they do so much and they touch so many different uh, pieces of our society and. And I mean, they, they really are that infrastructural glue uh, in, in many parts of this city. And I'm quite sure in other uh, cities and towns across Canada, it, it, is, it is vital that your library uh, be funded, that your library thrive, uh, because it may just be that one and only um, uh, facility uh, that, 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 you, uh, that you can actually get to. And that, that you feel, and we've talked about this, that you feel safe in, that you feel uh, invited in. It, it's Libraries are still that place where it doesn't matter your creed, color, how much money you make, what you're, what you're you know, it, it's come on in and we're going to help. Mm-hmm. It, whatever that help, you know, pertains to, we're, we're going we're gonna to try and help you find the answers to what it is that you need. But uh, yeah, right. social infrastructure, it's, right. it's, it's huge. That's great. Yeah, I would love to hear Eric Kleinberg. I mean, you know, I think m- many of us read and listened to uh, his his podcast. His uh, he's been out to the city numerous times to speak on the topic, and I'd love to hear him update that talk now that we're you know twenty months into a pandemic. Because I think, you know, I'm I'm aware and I'm cautious sometimes. And I was thinking about this when we were pulling this podcast together, that library people sometimes don't like it when we get too sentimental about libraries. You know, I think there's probably some people out there right now with their backs up saying, well, yeah, but we're also really bad at this. And we we need, you know, we don't do this well enough. And why are we doing this? And I think that it's a really good time right now to reflect on the fact that, like you said, we're not just about books. Look at all the things that have happened over the past 20 months. Libraries acting as food banks, acting as um, you know, rapid testing sites. The number of ways that libraries have, sorry to use this word, pivoted in the last yeah. 20 months and, and become more enmeshed in the community and taken on roles that the community needs, but they hadn't been doing before. I mean, these are things that are huge and 
and to me need to be celebrated. And, you know, we're going to take this episode just to focus on that good and give us some warm fuzzies because damn, we need it, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, And let me just add that um, you, you library people out there, you behind the scenes, you right in front of the desk, like boast, amplify, tell us as, as your, your users, your clients, your guests, how we can better uh, participate in making sure that the broader community just knows how important you are, because mm-hmm. um, I cannot, I can't stress how, um, how wonderful it is. And I mean, I, we're, we're here in the city of Toronto, so we've got a hundred different options to choose from, but uh, even if you're in a town with just one, uh, you realize just the, the magnitude of, of what, uh, uh, this institution brings to, to your life, can bring to your life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I have no, I have no qualms, uh, continuing, uh, you know, putting on the, the library hat to, uh, to amplify just, just how great, you know, and, and how needed, uh, this, this work is, uh, in, in what, uh, what all of our libraries are doing for, for society. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Lanrick, for all that you do <laughs> in, a, in this community, in the world, for libraries. I think it's it's wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you who are celebrating Ontario Public Library Week and looking for more information, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but there's a link in there uh, to the OLA website where you can access some digital graphics and things that you can use in your own promotion of this week to celebrate libraries. But uh, I hope that you can hang around for a minute, Lanrick, because we're not done with you yet. <laughs> okay. We will be right back with our last segment of the show where we will get to know more about Lanrick. Okay, so you're ready, Lanrick. I've given you your questions. So the first question is, what is something people often get wrong about you? Oh, man. Uh, my name. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> whether it's written or pronounced, uh, I've been uh, I've been called Landerick, Lamrick, Lenerick. I've had many instances of Limerick. Uh, it hasn't happened in a while, but uh, but yeah, my my name is is some sort of uh, uh, tongue twisting uh, uh, beast for some. So yeah, my name. Okay. All right. I hope I've never done that, but no, let, yeah. let me know if I have. <laughs> All right. Next is what was the last TV show you binged and loved? Oh man. Um, so there's this uh, French um, thriller, spy thriller, action adventure called uh, Lupin uh, mm-hmm. on Netflix, and uh, heard about it and was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll get to it. <laughs> and literally turned it on one evening at like 10:30 before I went to bed and well let's just say that that bed did not come until like four in the morning like I oh just you, I could not could not stop watching like just watched all six episodes it was so much fun That's horrible great. next day yeah but, yeah. Uh, yeah that was that was my binged uh, love uh, for sure Excellent. Lupin. Got it. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm going to save that for a day when I when I don't have much to do the next day, for sure. Yeah, what <laughs> what is a concert that you'll never forget? Oh, man. So uh, Jackson was four. Uh, we had pizza at the Broadview and Danforth location, and we took the 501 Dundas streetcar uh, down to Massey Hall and we got to watch Sloan. And uh. it was phenomenal it was i mean i had a four-year-old with me watching a epic concert he got a shout out from the band it was the wildest thing in the world he fell asleep three quarters of the way through incredible but it was it was awesome it was uh. it was so good he will not admit that he still loves those guys but uh yeah sloan massey hall <laughs> love it uh what is your favorite meal pizza Saturdays, what are we making for dinner? We're having pizza, Daddy. Yes, we are. All right, next question. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Photography. Oh, my gosh. Like, what other profession can you strive and excel in where you could take a picture in your backyard or you could go around the world? And it's Mm -hmm. your lens is the storyteller. And however you can create uh, that 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 breath of of what tale you want to tell uh, you can do it uh, you can do it as a photographer I would love <laughs> to kind of uh, go beyond my iPhone <laughs> camera as a as a means of of storytelling but yeah photography would be That's great would be just yeah love that and what is a profession you would not want to attempt huh um have you ever watched the, um, it's a cycling race in Paris, uh, yes. Paris-Roubaix, like they, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but they ride around on cobblestones. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. I love, I love being on a bike and I, and I love riding around the city and around the community, but being a cyclist, like a professional one where, you know, when you fall down and they show like chunks of skin still on the streets but you keep on writing another like 10 days forget it yeah that's that's just crazy yeah but there are people that do it I cannot be one of those (laughs) (laughs) that's very specific I love it okay uh what is your idea of happiness oh man uh I'm the boring type when it comes to this uh being with my family around the table and just yapping about our days yeah, that's, that's, that's our, that's our happy place. That's my happy okay. place. What would you say turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Oh, I don't, I, that, that oh, was not, not in a, in a bad way. It's just, um, I love listening to young people speak. I, mm-hmm. I love reading what they write. I like seeing what they draw. I, I enjoy the things that they record. Uh, they believe in so much and that, oh, at the beginning or that huff was just that we don't give youth a lot of space mm. uh, to voice their wants and needs. Mm. Um, it's a huge driver for me. I, I get frustrated when uh, us older folk um, shush them and, mm. and put them to the side. And, and I, don't, I don't really understand that because we were all younger at one point. And if we're not able to even remotely promote and give that space to uh, to our youth, uh, we're 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 doing we're doing wrong. 
we're really doing wrong. Wow, that's that's a really powerful one, and uh, it, it never occurred to me before. But you know, you do that so effortlessly. I mean, look at the work you did with Jack's Library Tour. You, I always see. You know, you are so encouraging of your daughter Zoe being active civically and you know writing to leaders and making her thoughts known. And I think you do that so well. So. Congrats to you on that. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, on the flip side of that, what turns you off creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Ah, nimbyism and oh, the yeah. ignorant, misinformed, and I mean, sometimes uh, the racially motivated wave of, of saying no to things mm-hmm. in housing and education and transportation in justice. Um, you know, you hear these, sure, I'd, I'd love change, just do it somewhere else. Um, I think that there is, there's just a, there's more of a toxic issue now in NIMBYism, especially when we are seeing our politicians stroke it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel that like, that's just pure evil. Yeah. All right. Which brings us to our last question. We'll leave on an upswing. One <laughs> thing that you're grateful for right now. I've got a roof over my head. I, you know, poured myself a coffee before uh, joining you on this uh, on this uh, interview. Um, we had pancakes this morning, Ooh. and I've got a job. My kids are safe and they're loved. And so much of what I literally just put forth doesn't happen everywhere. And I think yeah. collectively, uh, we we've got to strive to to give everyone that opportunity. Um, I, I it's. It's not a lofty thing, but I, I just, I, I feel, you know, that, uh, that we're here to, to make some good things happen. And, you know, we, we can do that. Mm-hmm. We can do that. Thank you so much, Lanerick. I always love connecting with you and hearing your thoughts and what you're up to. And you're always up to such interesting things. So thank you so much for taking time with us today. Thank you so very much, Michelle. Great talking with you. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks again to Lanrick for taking the time and for being such a lover of libraries. We really appreciate it. I hope that you take some time this week to celebrate your local public library and reflect on how your community needs libraries now more than ever. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Library Land Loves. Happy Ontario Public Library Week. Happy Canadian Libraries Month. Take care, stay safe. We'll talk to you next week.